Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. So the last session, we're going to be talking about from glory to glory. So how do I pursue the glory? How do I increase in the character of God? How do I really come to know the attributes of God and then walk in them? I mean, that's the multi-million dollar question, right? Is how do I grow? Like we, we talked about last night, the glory versus the anointing. Everybody's like, oh yes, I see the importance of character. And then we talked today about what the glory can do for you. And now we're all like, yes, we want the glory. Please cancel the presence of myself. So how do we do this? How do we grow in our capacity? How do we grow in our character? And again, I could probably pull Pastor Philip here and put him on the spot and be like, give me an idea. Give me a way that you really grow in the glory. It would probably be completely different than something I might tell you, but just as good and just as right. So there's a lot of different ways, and I think one of the biggest ways is we need to be mindful that the glory in you is a done deal as far as you have it, but it's not a done deal in regard to the increase of it. Now, I'm going to say that again because it tells us in 2 Corinthians, I read that earlier, we talked about the mirrored image, but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So what that is telling me is what does from glory to glory mean? It means there's an increase of his character going on. Everything in the kingdom is designed to grow. In fact, science will tell us if it's not growing, it's dead. So we should not just assume that I have the glory of God, but there's, I'm living on the increase of the glory of God. So again, that's why I make that proclamation every morning that today I look a little more like Jesus. And tonight when I go to bed, I'm going to look a little more like Jesus because we're living on the increase. But this verse goes on to say we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is giving me a tip and saying that I grow or I increase in the glory by the Spirit. Okay, so, so this kind of takes me out of it. And this is where we find that discernment between the soul and the spirit, between the personality and the character. Because where we've talked about your personality is from your soul. And I am not against personality development. I think it's necessary. But I do not want it to be mistaken for the increase of character that only comes by the spirit. It comes by the spirit, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It comes by the Spirit. So that blueprint of God in us should be growing and increasing daily by the Spirit. The more we saturate ourselves in the Spirit, the more the glory should grow. The more the glory grows, the more we flow in the Spirit. So we're going to step into the Spirit, come face to face with the glory, and then allow the Spirit to flow out of us. And so that's what we're talking about. We should be living on the increase. It is a glory that never fades. In that same passage, if you back up in it, in uh, in fact, let me open up my Bible here and read it to you. Um, It says, For even what was glorious, which was the law that was given 
to Moses. Even what was glorious had no glory, meaning it was unable to contain the character of God. God couldn't write on a tablet in ten statements the fullness of his character. Come on. And what he was doing in that was exposing the need that we have for a greater solution. He was setting us up to receive. He was setting us up to be desperate for a solution. To be restored back to the original genesis of our creation, which is the blueprint of God himself. So the glory, even what was glorious, which is the law, had no glory in that it was unable to contain the character of God. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now what that is saying is he would go in the presence of God, his face would begin to shine even though he did not know it, and then he would put a veil over his face so that the people couldn't see when the glory was leaving him. And what it's saying is, then after that it says, but you instead have no fading of the glory. In fact, it's not that it just doesn't go away, it's that it increases. Why? Because we're empowered with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts that brings us into and causes us to become the glory of the Lord, and it cannot fade. Now, can we dim it? Absolutely. Can we shadow it? Absolutely. Can your character hide it? Absolutely. But I think sometimes we work a lot harder to walk in the character of the world than we do to just walk in the character of the kingdom. There are some things that should be happening a little more organically and a little bit easier for the people of God. But I think sometimes we kick against the goads and we're exhausted holding on to our rejection. We're exhausted holding on to our depression. We're exhausted. It's wearing us out. Instead of just surrendering, as Kenneth said, and let God have his way with you. So one of the things you need to realize when we're recognizing growing in the glory is that it is an automatic in the kingdom. That immediately takes some pressure off of me. Ooh, I don't have to work for it. Come on, somebody say, I'm not going to work for it. Somebody say it again, I'm not going to work for it. I'm not going to work for the glory. I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to let it grow. I'm just going to receive it, and I'm going to let it grow. See, Moses could not contain the character of God because he didn't have the Holy Spirit. All he could do was come in contact with the character of God, and that seared his face. It shifted him. God tried to capture his attributes in the Ten Commandments, but he could not do it. And that is why he needed the exact representation of the Father through the person of Jesus Christ, who carried the character of the Father and pours the character into us. Now, character is who we are because of our relationship with Christ, period. Character is who you are because of your relationship with Christ. It is something that can be built as you learn to follow him, as you learn to surrender to him. So somebody put your hand on your heart and say, I can increase in character. I can, yeah, we're not done. We're not done. You're not dead, you're not done. I can increase in character, okay? So, but we're going to increase in character by the Spirit, 
because it's not just about our personality or our disposition. Now, not to be confused with your personality, which refers to the combination of qualities, attitudes, behaviors that makes a person distinct from another. So your personality uh, refers to your moral and mental qualities, your beliefs. These are all very important. These are things that should be shifted by your character. But sometimes we try and shift what we believe to fix our character. That's putting your personality before character. Or we try and use our gifts to get to where God wants us to be. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to trust the anointing that flows out of the character to run our race. See, some of us are exhausted running a race that we don't have the character to run yet. You've stepped onto it too soon. Maybe it's the wrong path. I don't really know. But if you find yourself exhausted and weary running a race that you know God has called you to do, you're trying to run it on your own strength. And you're reading all the books to try and develop your character or to develop your personality, but you're not saturating yourself in the glory to develop your character. I really want us to try and simplify some things tonight. I want us to really make it easy, but we've got to be honest with ourselves and recognize that a lot of what we do is try to develop our personality. We try and do better things, right? There's nothing wrong with the cultivation of your personality, but it should not be confused with what it means to train yourself towards righteousness. That's character. Developing personality versus training yourself towards righteousness. One is, I want to be a better me. And the other one is, I just want to be like Christ. I don't care about me. I just want to be like Christ. See, one is developing your personality, and the other one is training yourself towards righteousness. So that's biblical when God says you need to train yourself towards it. Work out your salvation. There is a partnership here and that God wants to groom your character. But while your soul is getting caught up to it, know that you already have it. You don't have to work for it. It's already established. It was a done deal when you got saved. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that was poured, deposited into you through the love of God, you have it. You have the character of God. Stop working for it. Stop working for it. If you're trying to work for it, it's your personality. Remember, character is what leaves a mark, not your personality. Personality is not going to leave a mark. Character is what's going to leave an impression on the lives of those around you. Now, I didn't say it's going to impress people. I'm not concerned about impressing people, but I am concerned about leaving an impression. I want to leave an impression everywhere I go. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for. We are here to be the impression of the kingdom. And if I don't leave an impression in your life, Angela, what am I here for? What's our relationship even about? Whether it's an impression of just friendship or it's an impression of, an impression of mentorship, whatever it is. But I want to leave an impression in somebody's life. But I can't leave an impression if I'm not walking in the glory of the Lord. God is interested in our character. Listen, we need to recognize the power of our presence versus the power of your personality. Are you confident enough in who you are? Is your character grown and groomed in the confidence of the kingdom, your position that you can be quiet in a room? And you can trust that your position, your presence, is carrying authority in the room, and you don't need to worry about your personality. 
Sometimes I think we need to learn to stop talking a little bit more. And trust your presence. I tell parents that all the time when they don't know what to do with their kids or whatever, cutting, suicidal, whatever. And I'm like, just get your presence in their space. Well, they don't want to talk to me. I didn't say talk to them. I said just sit in their room. Because if you're carrying the glory of the Lord, a shift should happen. And if you're not, you better get it right. You better get it right. Because if my kids were here, I could, that probably every single one of, you, one of them can tell you a time when all of a sudden they just caught a chair in their room where I would just sit. I know you don't want to talk. Teenagers don't like to talk. When they're mad at you, they don't want to talk to you. They're going to shut down. They're not going to talk to you. They're going to roll over and put their back to you, and that's okay. I don't have to feel rejected by that because I trust the power of my presence. You want to know why? Because I've been cultivating the glory of the Lord. When I come into the room, something has to change and demons have to go. Do you know when you walk into a room, something has to change and demons... Jesus never walked into a room when something didn't happen. Demons recognized him first. They were the first to recognize him were demons. we got to understand that there is power in our presence. And if you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm carrying a very powerful presence. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're being honest with you, yourself. And that's good. I tell, I tell my staff all the time, conviction is an invitation. It's all it is. The world, the church will tell us that conviction is condemnation. It is not. It is an invitation. When you feel the conviction of the kingdom, it's an invitation to another level. It's all it is. So I'm going to embrace the conviction of the kingdom so I can respond to the invitation and say, yes, Lord, I'd like to go to that next level. Yes, Lord, I'd like to stop that pattern in my life. Yes, Lord, I'd like to stop being that person. I'd like to go to the next level. Come on, anybody else want to go to the next level? We want to go to the next level. So we're embracing and welcoming the conviction of the kingdom today because we know that conviction is just an invitation to go to the next level. So we have to trust the power of our presence and not the power of our personality. So God is interested in our character, which is cultivated just by his person. Remember in 1 Samuel it says, it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about your person. He's saying, I don't desire burnt offerings. I desire your heart. That's what I desire. Stop worrying about what you're supposed to be doing for me. Come on, y'all, when I say the church, please hear me. I'm not bashing Pastor Phil and Pastor Gary. I honor these men and, and all the pastors of our community. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you are the church, right? And, and we come together and there are things that have to be done, but sometimes we've made church all about what we can do for God because there are legitimately and realistically things that need to be done in a church. We've got to have servants or it will not run. I have to have servants in crazy ministries or it will not run. But if we're not careful, we make our ministry all about what we can do for God instead of what he's already done for us. And we will begin to flow and we will begin to serve out of our flesh and out of our duties instead of out of being compelled by the Spirit of the Lord. And so we've got to step back and get saturated in his glory and in his person. Character starts in the heart. Personality starts in the head. Character starts here. And we know in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything stems from the heart. It is always an issue of the heart. Pastor Gary is not here, but he says all the time, it's not about your circumstance, it's always about your heart. If God's not changing your circumstance, he's dealing with your heart. 
If God hasn't fixed it yet, he's not done with you. Because it's always about the heart. All of life flows out of the issues of the heart. Your heart will either steer you in the right direction or it will steer you in the wrong direction. It depends on what your heart is surrendered to. Come on, because you can surrender your heart to some pretty bad things. But if your heart is surrendered to God, it becomes your greatest strength. The heart. That's why he says, above all else, guard it. We guard something. We treasure it. We, we guard something that we treasure. And some of us aren't treasuring our own hearts in here. We don't recognize the beauty of what's in our heart, what God has put in our heart, the design of the heart, the passion that flows from it, the life that flows from it. We've got to guard that and treasure it. It can keep you on course or it can take you off of course. But everything starts with the, ho- the heart. The heart is the gateway to everything in your life. It is the control center of your life. So this is why it is so important that we constantly have a surrendered heart to God. And I'm not saying that we don't let God transform our thinking, let him transform our mind. We don't have a, tra- we don't have a surrendered mind. But that's not what this passage says. This passage is saying, above all else, Put your heart under lock and key and surrender it to the Lord. What was a proverb that we were reading? It talked about how uh, so the king's heart is like channels of water and he directs it, whatever course he wants to go. See, this is how the Lord works. You read the word and then he brings it up and he brings it in a place where he applies it in a particular situation. That's how that applies. So your heart is like like the king's heart in the hands of the Lord and it's like channels of water and he just directs it whichever way he wants it to go. I think we're working too hard. I think we're working too hard. We're working too hard for God when he already did it. It's really just about surrendering. So we must get our character in line with God. When people rise too fast and the race is bigger than their character, I was talking to pastors earlier, I said, I think sometimes we do, do you mind me sharing, Pastor Phil? Uh, He's like, uh, I said, I think as leaders, we have a responsibility not just to recognize anointing, but to recognize is the character big enough to be put in that position. Because sometimes we fail as leaders. We're desperate to put people in positions, and we see, we recognize anointings, right? Because we see anointings. And that's what pastor was like, man, that's so good. You're right. I mean, we look at for anointing. We go, that person's anointed, so I'm going to throw them up on the stage when their character isn't ready. And as a leader, that's part of our responsibility to say, I see an anointing here, but I want to cultivate the character instead of focusing on the anointing. But it's so easy for us to be distracted by the anointing. You and I have had this conversation about people in your life who have an anointing, and I'm like, focus on the character. Just build the character, and the anointing will come. Stop worrying about how to groom the anointing and groom character. Just groom the character. All right, everybody put your hands on your heart and say, I'm going to groom my character. All right. It's important for us to remember that after the fall, the Garden of Eden became bigger than Adam and Eve's capacity because they lost the glory. The fruit was too big for them. He was like, oh, 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 we got to get them out of here on grace. We got to get them out of here because we cannot let them eat of the tree of life. But what he was saying is, this fruit now is too big for them. They can no longer handle the anointing and the blessing of my provision, the fruit, because they've stepped out of the glory. And so we need to stay in the glory. If you feel like, man, 
whew, God's got a big call in my life. You better be grooming your glory. Stop worrying about the anointing. All right, so here are some steps to growing your characters, if I haven't given any already. One, get alone with God. Create space. Now, this sounds so elementary. Um, I, I was intentional in this conference to create a lot of space for you guys to just be alone. We were intentional with some spontaneous worship to just have moments of silence. We've been intentional to allow the awkwardness, the uncomfortability, to start becoming a little more comfortable. Get alone with God. I go to Bible study. That's not alone with God. I go to church. That's not alone with God. My husband and I, we pray together. That's not alone with God. I pray with my children. That's not alone with God. Come on, a lot of us do God. We do the things, but we don't ever get alone with God. Alone, still, quiet. I listen to worship music. I hate to tell you this, that ain't alone with God. Shh. Quiet, still. Let him have his way with you. If you need worship music to draw you into the glory, you haven't figured it out yet. Nothing wrong with worship music. I love it. Definitely is going to get me there quicker. But at some point I had to train myself, how do I sit here in the silence and trust what is in me to take me there? Because the glory isn't a place where you're going. It's a thing that's within you. Come on. It's within you. And that takes a lot of practice. I mean, y'all, sometimes I, I would sit there and I would, I'm going to demonstrate so I have a particular position that I lay in when I'm like, ugh, just wanting to chill. I have my space heater, remember? And a pillow. And I lay like this, and I, I position my hands up like this. I don't know why, it's just comfortable for me, and I just lay there. And sometimes I might start by speaking out in tongues, but usually the Lord's like, shh. So I'll just lay here. And, um, and so I'll just lay there. And sometimes I think I'm falling asleep and I'm going in and out, but I'm just letting the Lord work. And honestly, a lot of times I'm like, nothing's happening, right? But I do this every day, every day, every day. As God is my witness, every day, for at least 10, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes an hour goes by and I don't even know, and I'm like, I didn't get any revelation. I didn't start shaking. Sometimes I do, Okay. But most of the time, I just sit in his presence because it's not about what's happening. It's about who I'm becoming. It's about creating space for God to work in my life. It's about pushing the reset button and saying, look, I need to practice this spot. I need to remember this spot every day, every day, every day. You want to know why the anointing flows? People are like, how come everybody falls out when you pray over them? I don't know, but what I can tell you is I sit in the glory every day. Do you? I'm not being braggadocious. I'm bragging on the glory and the power that it will bring into your life. Every day. Well, I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Don't lie to yourself. You tell the, the devil to shut his mouth. Yes, you do. Absolutely you do. If you don't, get up earlier. Clean something out of your life. Stop doing your laundry and sit with the Lord. Your laundry will be there when you get up. It's all right. 
Let some of those things go. Put the important things first. Get alone with God. We've got to get alone with him. But I think a lot of us aren't comfortable in our own skin. It's uncomfortable. I mean, I, I keep going back to you because you're like, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. You know, I'm being a little more dramatic than she was. Angela's not a dramatic person. But for the sake of demonstration, it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable. And some of us aren't comfortable in our own skin. And we've got to learn to be comfortable in our own skin. In Exodus, if you remember, I read yesterday where Moses said, show me your glory. And it says this, be ready in the morning, then come up to Mount Sinai, present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you. That's what it says. Don't bring nobody with you. Come alone. Some of us are relying on the church to feed us. Some of us are relying on our friends to feed us. Some of us are relying on read and execute every Monday morning to feed you, which is not going to be live anymore. You're going to have to come get it. I can't do live anymore because it's squelching the anointing in the room. <laughs> I'm like, we're done. I'm done with the live. I can't do it. Look at the people in the room. We're like, yes, thank you. Sorry, Amy, I know you like to watch it, but you're going to have to come and get it. I'm not doing live anymore. I can't do it. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. It's killing me. It's killing me. I feel like we're right there on the anointing, and i got to worry about people who are watching live. Done. Done, done, done. You're welcome for the people that are in the room. <laughs> but we got to stop relying on people. And we got to realize that this is how God grows our character. By when we are getting alone with him, we grow in the glory. Two. Okay, so number one is get alone with God. Create space. If you, haven't, if you don't have space, you don't have margin in your life, make it. Get rid of something. Do something. Stop doing all the activities with your kids. They're going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. You want to know why? Because if you're growing in the glory, it's your character that's going to parent your children, not getting them to dance class. Okay? Stop worrying about all the things you want your kids to do and start being concerned with who you are when you're with your kids. Because sometimes we're so hustled-bustled trying to give our kids all the opportunities and doing all the things. We're a complete snit. You're welcome that I tempered that. We're a complete snit with our kids. Let's be honest. And is that what kids are going to remember? What's going to leave a mark in their life? What's going to impress them? Oh, I just remember mom being all stressed out trying to get me to dance class that I didn't want to go to anyway. Because it's the thing you're supposed to do with your kids. Put them in t-ball, put them in dance. Put them in. I'm done. I'm done with it. I said to Mariah, I'm going to go sell her out because I don't think she'll care. I said, Mariah, it was so sweet for you to take a box of hot tamales home to your dad last night. You know that's his favorite. She's like, yeah, I thought maybe it would go over better when you guys see my grades. You're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> And I said to her in seriousness, I said, well, first of all, we've already seen your grades. And second of all, that word disappointment doesn't come from us. Because I would never use that word. And the grades that you have today, I want you to know, don't compare to the character that you carry. And while I am motivated to inspire you to work a little harder, absolutely, I love your character. I love your passion for the Lord. I don't give a rip what your grades are. Come on, we've got to get some things right with our, parent, with our kids. If you guys aren't signed up for my parent training class, that's your plug. We're going to be talking about discipleship versus discipline. All right. Embrace your trials and tribulations. Do not rush God. He is using all things to perfect you. How do I grow in the glory? Embrace trials and tribulations. Woohoo! But what does James chapter 1 tell us? Count it all joy. 
Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing why. Why do I count it as joy? Should I count it joy because God tells me, and I'm a Christian, so by golly, I'm going to tell everybody that I'm enjoying this season because that's what Christians do. And in my personality, I'm going to act joyful even though things suck in my spirit. Come on, that's what we do. It says, count it all joy. Why? Because I'm confident. I'm confident in the character of God and that his heart's desire here is to mature me and to complete me. That's what it says. That he is unwilling to leave you incomplete. That's a heart of love. And so I can embrace this trial because I know it's being poured out of the goodness of God. And that God wants to complete me. And if I let him and I embrace the trial instead of kicking against the trial, crying against the trial. I love Peter and Silas when they're in the, if I'm in jail, I'm like, oh God, why have you done this to me? But they're like, we love you, Lord. What? That's what they're doing. They're embracing the trial. And their character is becoming marked by that trial. See, our character gets marked as we go through things. That's how we get our character. We were just talking about this, the pastors and I have here. Look, when you go through grief, you get marked with the character of comfort. Because you experience God as a comforter. And now you have become a comfort to others. That's what it tells us in 2 Thessalonians, first chapter, maybe? I'm looking at Shirley. She's in the days. She's in the haze. She's like, okay. It's in the Word. She says it's in the Word. <laughs> when you go through a season of unfaithfulness and you experience God's faithfulness in the middle of that, you become marked with faithfulness. When you go through a season of sin and you experience God's grace, you get marked by His grace. Come on, when you go through a season of isolation, and you experience God as your company, and the ever-present time, in a time of need, you get marked with his presence. Come on, I want you to think about the times in your life that you were marked the deepest and the most profoundly. They were in the middle of trials and tribulations. And we fuss and we fight and we beg and we cry and we go for prayer and we ask God to take us out of it, to get us through it. But even Jesus said, unless I drink of this cup, his will will not be done. Even Jesus in his humanity said, God, please, if there's a plan B, take this cup from me. I love that. We get to see him in his humanity. But then he says, but I have to drink this cup because it's in drinking this cup that all of humanity will become marked by my character. We get marked with his character as we embrace trials and tribulation. When you go through a season of rejection, you experience his acceptance. And then you begin to get marked by his acceptance. And you learn what it means to become that acceptance. And you stop rejecting everybody around you because you're no longer living in rejection. Come on. Because rejected people reject people. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people break people. And we don't mark people with the character of God until we've been marked. And we get marked as we embrace trials and tribulations. This is not in my notes. This was not a point. But it's a great point, Holy Spirit. Persecution. When you experience persecution, you learn 
to live for the applause of the kingdom. I'm not living for everybody else. I'm not living for the reward of man. I'm not living for the acceptance of man. I'm looking for the applause of the kingdom, and that is it. When you, make it, when you go through a season of temptation, you learn what it means to pull on his strength. And you get marked with the strength of the spirit. You begin to realize, I cannot do this in my flesh. I cannot do this in my soul. I cannot do this through my mind. I cannot will myself out of this temptation. I've got to have the spirit or I'm going to fall. And when you learn to surrender that and you experience that in the middle of that temptation, you get marked with his strength. Y'all, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm only sharing with you what I've lived. There was a time in my life when I, uh, we, I, I used to sing in a music ministry. There were nine women. And my husband traveled a lot, and we had a lot of little kids at home. And I had a lot of little people around me all the time. But I felt very lonely because Brad was going to school, and he was working multiple jobs. And, and we were living two completely different lives. And I felt very, very lonely. And I asked the Lord... Actually, my, fr- my friends, we were traveling somewhere, and they said, what do you need God to be for you? What do you need God to be for you? What do you need God to be for you? And everybody's like, well, I need him to be, I can't remember what they were saying. And I just remember feeling like, I just need him to be my company. Like, I am lonely. I am lonely in my house, doing laundry every day, homeschooling my kids, doing the things. Always having people around me, but still feeling very, very lonely. And I just want somebody to talk to. I want somebody to do life with. And God was like, pick me! I want to be your company. I want to be your company. Something that simple. But that season of my life, I became marked by the company of the kingdom. And now I love to be alone. Because God and I, we have some deep conversations. Conversations I can't have when Angela's in the room because she'd think I'm crazy. Although we've had some, (laughs) there are occasions where we're like, (laughs) okay. So when we go through a season Seasons of trials and tribulations, we become marked. So, one, we're going to get alone with God. Two, we're going to embrace trials and tribulations. Three, we're going to abide and feed on his love. Now, somebody asked me earlier, how do we know what the attribute of God is? How do we know what his character is? Well, we could go through all scriptures. You learn his attributes. You watch the life of Jesus. When I teach people how to read scripture, one of the things we do in Read and Execute is we draw a line. And we say, okay, in this passage of Scripture, I want us to come up with a list of the attributes of God that we learn and therefore then the attributes of man that we learn, of, of us as a believer, right? So if I learn in this that Jesus shows compassion, then I learn that my potential is compassion. So I'm looking for the attributes of God as I'm reading Scripture. That's just a real quick tip for you. But in a nutshell, I want you to know that Scripture says that his love is what characterizes him. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become a clanging cymbal. If you have the anointing, but you're not walking in the glory, you're just a clanging cymbal. No one's being impressed. No one's being marked. That's what that's talking about. His greatest attribute is his love. And though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, but I have not love, I am nothing. God is love. God is love. The Bible says that he gives faith. 
He gives hope, but he is love. He is love. That is the greatest attribute of God. And all the gifts can operate, but without love, there will be no impression. There will be no impression. That's what leaves a mark. I guys mentioned earlier that in Romans 5.5, 5, his love was deposited into our hearts. So we have the love of the kingdom in us. But growing in God's glory is not about matching his love. Hear me. Growing in God's glory is not about matching his love. It is about embracing his love. It's about receiving his love. It's not about trying to match up, measure up, perform into, act like. It's about embracing that love. I want to keep it simple for you. But this is where we're talking about abiding. And to abide, we know that in John 15 it says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit. What is the fruit we're looking for? The outward appearance, the evidence, the anointing. I'm looking for the things that are going to be flown. The thing that other people get to eat of and they get to taste and see that the Lord is good, that's the anointing. But it cannot come unless I am abiding in the glory, the branch, the root, the fruit, the the character of God. What does it mean to abide? It means I'm going to remain. It means I'm going to tarry means I'm not going to depart. It means I'm never going to leave that spot. But sometimes we're like, now I'm in Christ, now I'm not. Now I'm in the Spirit, now I'm not. Now I'm in the anointing, now I'm not. Come on. But this is saying, never leave it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. What are we saying? If you abide in the glory, what will automatically happen? the anointing will grow. You will bear much fruit. It's not something I'm working for. Listen to me. We need to learn how to eat the fruit. We need to learn to eat. You cannot produce what you have not first eaten. Adam and Eve in the garden were not called to produce the fruit. He said, here's all the fruit of the trees. Eat it. They were called to eat the fruit. God produced the fruit. And some of us are trying to produce what we haven't first eaten. And you need to learn how to, I know I was good, I was good. Praise Jesus. This is why I tell him to come. <laughs> He's like my Vanna White over there. The Bible says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. That he first loved us. We cannot produce what we are not eating. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. So it's all about his love for us. This was such a revelation for me. And really, really what set me free from depression, which at the root of my depression was self-rejection. And when I finally realized that there's nothing I will ever be able to do to love God better. And God was like, listen, you've lived an entire life declaring and proclaiming, I love you! I love you, Lord! And there's nothing wrong with that, but I want you to hear me saying this. I love you too. Because I hear the whispers, the intimacy, the whisper that Kenneth was talking about. And so I'm not living in I love you. I'm living in the I love you too. And if we don't get alone with God in every day, I need that. I need that. I can't go on without his love. My husband loves me deeply, but it doesn't compare. 
My children love me deeply, but it doesn't compare. I need that in my life. I need the whisper of the kingdom every day. I can't just go to a conference three times a year and experience. I got to have it. Maybe I'm worse than all y'all. I got to have it because I am an ugly person. You know, in Psalm 73 where it says, I was a brute beast before you until I entered into the sanctuary of God and then I recalled their final destiny. That's me when I'm not listening to the whisperings of the kingdom. I become ugly. I fall into depression. I get super anxious and then I get really snitty. You're welcome again for the tempering of the word. Amy, look at Shirley's like, I've been praying about that, Mal. <laughs> no, she has. But listen, religion will tell you that you lack fruit. And when they do that, what they're communicating is, is you need to do better to produce more fruit. And the truth is, the fruit of the Spirit was given to us as a gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever caught yourself saying, I just am not a patient person? You're declaring something less than who you are. Because the Bible says that you have the fruit of patience. You've been given the fruit of patience. So it's fair for you to say, in my flesh, in my natural man, I struggle with patience. But I am a patient being because I carry the glory of the Lord. And the, and the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Which means long-suffering, Joel. It means I can suffer for a long time when I need to. Because I carry the, the forbearance of the kingdom. How many of you said, I just can't control myself? Got to eat the cookie. Just got to eat the cookie. Well, no, you don't have to. Get, you can will to eat the cookie, but don't act like you're a victim of the cookie. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. If you want to eat the cookie, will to eat it or will not to eat it, but don't be victimized by a freaking cookie. Seriously. It sounds ridiculous, but we are victimized by food. Come on. I, I, that is a message that needs to be preached from somebody who's overcome a lot of eating disorders. I'm like, come on, people. This is that you talk about the enemy in disguise. Whew. We'll talk about fear. We'll talk about pornography, but we won't talk about gluttony with food. That's too real. It's too real. I'm going to back up out of that one. Boop, 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 boop. I have no idea where I'm at in my notes. <laughs> So God gave us the fruit, meaning it's produced by the Spirit. Remember, we're talking about how do I grow the glory by the Spirit. I'm not talking about how do I be better. I'm talking about how do I live like Christ. I don't want to be a better me. I want to be, a, I want to be Jesus. Forget me. Forget you. Think about Jesus. Okay? So we live in Christ, not for Christ. All right, the love, love is the force behind all the power. We will not walk in the power of God until we walk in the love of God. I'm going to say that again. You will not walk in the power of God until you walk in the love of God. I, uh, uh, we have talked a lot about when we're ministering to people how you get overwhelmed a lot of times with how God feels about that person. And you get to feeling the heart for this person. You start feeling compassion towards this person. And I've told this story several times, but when I was starting out in the ministry, somebody came, there was a guest that came to our church, this was before I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I was starting the ministry, I felt called to this ministry, and he was preaching on the passage that said Jesus looked out into the crowd and he had compassion on them. He saw that they were weak and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. And he began talking about compassion and how the compassion compelled Jesus to do all of these things. And the Bible says that it is the love of Christ that compels us. And so I went home and I started researching because that's what I did in my little scientific research 
Baptist mind. That's what you did was you studied the word. And so I read it and I was like, okay, compassion means a wrenching of the guts. I don't think I've ever experienced that. And so I was like, well, that's, a compassion is, is of the gut, right? So in the Greek, it literally means a wrenching of the gut. When you begin to feel a compassion for somebody, you feel a physical wrenching in your stomach. And that convicted me. And what is conviction? An invitation. So I knew that conviction is, oh, I get, I'm getting invited into another level of compassion. And so what did I do? Can I stir that compassion up myself? I said, no, God, have your way with me. Have your way with me, God, because if the compassion of the kingdom is in me, I can tell you I've never experienced that. So whatever it is that needs to go, get rid of it and loose that compassion in me. And things began to shift on the inside, and it changed the way I ministered to people. And I, I had to surrender myself to the compassion of the kingdom. But his love and his compassion is what becomes the force behind the power. Jesus did nothing except by love and compassion. It was the force behind the power. It was the glory behind the anointing. So we want to be marked by his love. All right, so number four is delight yourself in God. Delight yourself in God. Now, I've preached on this before. Angela, you're going to remember this because I remember you talking about it. That word, delight yourself in God, delight does not mean what we think it means. When we're delighted in something, we're like, oh, I'm delighted in this ice cream cone. I'm delighted in this steak. You guys know how I'm talking about food now. I'm trying to fix what I, you guys are all like, oh, we're going to starve ourselves. We're not allowed to eat anything. You can have your ice cream. Just don't be controlled by your ice cream. Choose your ice cream. Don't let it choose you. You understand? Okay. All right. So to delight means to be moldable and to be pliable. Hear it again. Delight yourself in the Lord. So what that means is I'm going to be soft. I'm going to be pliable. I'm going to be delicate. I'm going to be dainty. I'm going to be pampered by the Lord. See, too often we delight in other things, other people, other ideas, other ventures, other dreams. But what I'm hearing in this is exactly the word that you got, Joel, which is I need to learn to delight myself in the Lord means I'm going to become pliable in his presence. I'm going to become moldable. I'm going to allow him to direct my life. I'm going to be willing to be wrong. I'm going to be willing to be corrected. I'm going to be quick and be ready to repent. Come on. We talked about repentance. That is a huge part. If Again, when you go to a mirror, you... Look to correct something in your life so that when you walk away, you look better than when you came to the mirror. So when I'm coming into the glory, I'm ready. I'm ready for God to show me something that needs to be repented of. I'm moldable and I'm pliable. I'm delighting myself in the Lord. So I want to be correctable. I'm an ex- correctable and I'm going to expect it. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What am I working towards? Training myself towards righteousness. Right? I'm not growing or grooming my personality. I'm training myself towards righteousness so I can look like who I'm designed to look like, which is easier than being what we are right now. And so I'm going to train myself towards righteousness by confessing my sins. And he cleanses me and brings me back into righteousness. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Do you despise the riches of his glory, his forbearance, his long-suffering? Listen to this. 
Not knowing that the goodness of the Lord is the kindness of the Lord that brings you to repentance. What brings us to repentance? The glory of God, his person. When God is kind to me, I feel conviction. And it allures me, invites me into repentance. I feel no shame in that. I feel no condemnation. I feel love in that. Do your children feel love? When you're alluring them into, inviting them into a place of repentance? I'm telling you to sign up for the training. Because a lot of times we want to tell our kids what is wrong. We want them to feel convicted. They should be ashamed of themselves. Go sit in your room and think about what you've done. God has never done that to me. Never. First of all, he would never separate his presence from me. When I am in sin and I am misbehaving, that is when the presence of the Lord gets near to me, gets very near to me. I'm just telling you we need to start parenting more like God parents us. When your children are in sin, they need your presence. The last thing they need is to be isolated with the devil. Do not do that. Stop the timeout crap. Stop doing it. In James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God. What are we doing? We're drawing near to God. I'm coming into the glory, and he will draw near to you. But listen what happens. Then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Oh, well, that's not what I expected in drawing. I expected God to be like, oh, shh. Oh, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. For the longest time, I did not understand this. I was like, why does God, I struggle with depression. I already got the gloom and doom stuff down. I need the laughter. But what Lord, the Lord was saying here is, as you draw near to me, I will, I will remind you, I will show you, I will reveal to you places in your life where there's an invitation to be saddened by what you see. See, true repentance isn't feeling shame. It's seeing it the way God sees it and saying, oh, I agree with you, God. I once heard it said like this. There was, a, there was a grandfather with his grandson, and the grandson was like, Grandpa, I want to go in this haunted house. And the grandpa was like, look, you're not going to like it. It's not going to be good for you. You don't want to go in there. And he's like, no, 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 I want to go, I want to go. He was like, well, look, if you want to go, I'll go with you. But you need to know I disagree with this agreement. So the boy goes into the, into the haunted house, and the grandfather's right behind him, going with him, never leaving his presence. And the boy goes in there, and he starts to hear stuff that he's scared. He starts, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, I'm seeing things, and I think maybe I've made a mistake. And so he starts to think maybe he doesn't want to be in the haunted house afterward. And so he keeps moving in. All of a sudden, he feels fear. And next thing you know, he feels this fear. And so he now thinks like his grandfather, and he feels like his grandfather. But he then gets so frightened, he thinks, oh, my God, you are right. I'm going to turn, and I'm walking out of this haunted house. That's a picture of repentance. He has a change of mind that changes his heart, that causes a change in his direction, and he begins to follow his grandfather instead of his grandfather following him. Repentance is when we come into an agreement with God, I see it the way you see it. I feel it the way you feel it. I can feel feel the grief of the Father when I'm sinning. I feel the sadness. I don't feel condemnation in that. I feel an invitation. We We need to come into an agreement with him. And finally, I already talked about this one, final one, and then I'm going to have Kenneth and Courtney come up one last time, and we are going to open up the altar for prayer. Finally, you're going to declare his character in your life. 
And I mentioned earlier that there are things that a lot of us are speaking over our lives that we're declaring that are just absolute rubbish. They are dung, is what the Bible would call them. They're crap. You're declaring and you're proclaiming things that are less than who you're called to be. Moreover, we are speaking things over our children's lives, over our spouses' lives that are not in line with the character of God. If you want your children to come into the character of God, start speaking the testimony, the reputation of the kingdom over them. Oh, I'm sad that your room isn't isn't in order, but you know what? We serve an orderly God, so I trust that at some point that character is going to come out in you and you're going to start getting things in line. I'm just starting to kind of give them a taste like, wait, what? Because it's really not about the clothes on the floor. It's about them learning how to have some order in their life. God doesn't have clothes, I don't think. (laughs) I mean, Jesus did. I look at Pastor, I'm like, did he have clothes? I mean, Jesus had clothes. But it's not about the clothes, it's about the character. And so we need to start speaking the character of the kingdom over our lives. Come on. I am designed to prosper. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. I am more than a conqueror Christ. in Christ. I have a shield of victory in my hands. I can bend a bow of bronze. There are more with me than are against me. I am led about in a triumphal procession through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. I am a chosen vessel of God. I am a child of God. I am free. I am abundantly free. I am surely free. I am truly free. I have no chains. I am not filled with sin. I am not a sinner saved by grace. Come on. Break that lie. I am not a sinner. I will not say that. I am a child of God who at some points in my weaknesses am inclined towards sin. Actually, I'm not even inclined towards, I sin, but I'm inclined towards my destiny. I'm inclined towards the character. I walk in the character of God. The glory of the Lord is upon me. I will arise and I will shine. I will impress people today because I carry the character of God. There is something different about me because I'm walking in the anointing. Today, I will go about and people will be healed. People will receive encouragement. They will feel love because I carry the character of God. Am I being arrogant? No. I am the rose of Sharon, the fairest lily of the valley. I am the beloved of the kingdom. I am wholly accepted. I am not rejected. I am loved unconditionally. God's love never fails me. God always hopes in me. God believes in me. God can trust me. I'm just speaking the, the, te- the character of the kingdom over me. we got to learn how to declare. A lot of us can't do this in our own lives for ourselves. How in the world are you going to impress other people? You can't even speak sweet to yourself. And you wonder why your kids are angry at you. Maybe you should start with yourself. Start with what you're speaking over your own life. I am a loving person. I am a kind person because I carry the kindness of the kingdom. Today, when I feel tempted, I declare that I will walk in the self-control of the Spirit because I carry the self-control of the kingdom. I carry the loving kindness of of the kingdom. I am patient. Today, I will not stumble into intolerance or compromise because I carry the confidence of the kingdom. I've been infused with the courage of God. I carry the boldness of the kingdom. I have the heart of a lion. Come on. I'm just declaring what is true. I'm not making up stuff to pray for. I'm just agreeing with God. I'm going, oh, I'm in, nope, I'm no longer in fear. Nope, no. Oh, I'm rejected. No, I am not rejected. I am wholly accepted. I am loved. I am a daughter of the, of the king. 
Do you see that, how I'm just changing? I'm changing the trajectory of my tongue. I'm declaring what is true. It doesn't matter how I feel because we don't live by feel. We live by faith. And if you are not practicing sitting, quiet, creating space, and then getting up and making your declarations on a daily basis, you're going to get your butt whooped by the devil. I'm just telling you. I mean, I've given you some really easy tips. If you're getting your butt whooped, you know why. If your first thing that you do when you're struggling is get on the phone and call the same people and, little, and you haven't learned how to get the encouragement of the kingdom, you're missing out. Because the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And some of us are still bottle feeding on the milk of everybody around us and we haven't learned how to get the encouragement from the Lord. And you're being cheated You're being cheated because my encouragement is nothing compared to the encouragement of the Lord. Pastor Phil's an amazingly encouraging person. Pastor Patrice, man, she can loose the anointing, but she can't loose the anointing like the glory of God can. And if all you think is, ooh, the Patrice's anointing's amazing, and it is, trust me, I know. But if all you've ever experienced is her anointing, her anointing, his anointing, and you haven't experienced the anointing that flows directly from the heaven's throne, you are being cheated and you don't know it. You think you've experienced it, but you haven't. I'm telling you God has more for us. I'm telling you he has more for us. Come on up. So tonight, I don't want us to be cheated anymore. I don't want to be cheated of the anointing. Moreover, I don't want to be cheated of the glory. I want to come into the greater attributes of the kingdom. I don't want to think I've got it all figured out and I'm all that when I haven't been. Even Paul said it's not that I've already been perfected, but that I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.